Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Guten Abend, bonsoir, bonasera, hola, hello people, you're very welcome, it's been a while, it's been a while, seems like I've been away from my own channel, man, I missed you guys, man, I miss these guys, I miss you guys, I miss everyone, man, and I definitely gonna miss the Champions League from a Liverpool point of view, or am I, am I, we don't know, but that's for another show, <laughs> things are hotting up over there. That's for another show. Is Man United really going to bottle it? But we'll see. We'll see. People, you're very welcome to another edition of Eurostars. Eurostars has taken you all the way to the Champions League semifinals. And we're here. We're here to talk about the first leg affairs at the Bernabeu, the San Siro, two historic, magnificent, iconic heritage grounds. But are the finals, are the semi-finals already, already a foregone conclusion? As I think they are. But who cares about what I think? It's all about the esteemed panel. And of course, with the settings in the background, ready for next season, Bilal is already in preparation. What's happening? Yeah, man, I'm in preparation. I'm waiting. I'm saying, hmm, Champions League. You know <laughs> I what? get used to this. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, man. I've missed the music, man. It's been a long time. To be honest, I went to that last Arsenal Champions League game, that buy-in 5-1, oh. and I still haven't seen the last two goals because I left that 3-1. Because I, I said, yeah, eight was it eight-something on aggregate? I said, I'm not involved anymore. But apart from my bad time... <laughs> literally, literally, you wasn't involved anymore for a yeah, no, I said, I'm going home. I'm going home early, man. 
listen, I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't staying around for that. But yeah, apart you'll get from good that, six games. You'll get good six games. Six games. Good six games. You'll enjoy it. Three games at home. You'll enjoy it, bro. You'll enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, listen, I hope you get out of the group pot free. Apparently, listen, we're down bad. I can't lie. When I when I saw pot three, I was like, okay, crazy, crazy stuff. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about that actually, yeah. pot three and whatnot later yeah. on because I don't think has it all been decided, guys. Like which team is no, not so, no, yeah, not yet, not yet. I think for for mm. if it's on Arsenal, I think it depends if Leipzig qualify or something for the Champions League. So yeah, so a bit a up in the air. So yeah, yeah, we'll have to wait. You have to wait and see what happens on that uh, one. But of course, sorry, go on. Sorry, oh yeah, no. Nah, but apart from that, yeah, two great games. Well, for me, I even enjoyed yesterday's game. I saw people com- complaining, but for me, I enjoyed yesterday's game as well. But yeah, Champions League, man, nothing beats it, despite what anyone says. Nothing beats it. Nothing beats it. Football, football, Tifa's. I have missed Chris to be honest, especially in the big six representing us Liverpool fans. There, I'm back, people. I'm back. Liverpool's Liverpool's back. Chris is back. Big Six is back. Eurostars is back. Everything's back, man. We back, back. Saeed's back as always in the building. My favourite show. Listen, you already know. You know what I mean? You may not be enjoying this show next season, but we see. We'll talk soon, my brother. Speak very soon. Don't go anywhere. That's all I'm saying to you. Don't go anywhere. Uh, Michael's back as well. Michael, I know you've been enjoying a whole heap of European football. But this is surely the culmination. This is the, the what's the word? This is the zenith, isn't it? The Champions League semi-finals and now we're going to talk about the final. This is where the cream rises to the top. How excited was you over the semi-finals? Uh, I was trying my best to get a ticket to Milan, but I couldn't get one. Mm. That's how much I wanted to go because that atmosphere last night was something else. The T-Force, that's the Champions League. And then what we saw... In Madrid, that was quality. That's the highest quality of football you can see in the world. And that's what the Champions League provides. But can't forget Thursday nights as well because maybe West Ham can win a European trophy. Oh, sugar plum plum. Of course. David Moyes having a season of disaster in the Premier League. But yeah, you're right. Is that tonight? Yep. Yeah. 40 minutes. Okay. Well, let's get get cracking. Maybe some people may want to watch that. Uh, Griggs is in the building. Griggs, I don't know which game you was focused on, but obviously you might have been focused on both actually because they played on separate days. Uh, yeah, man, how excited are you for the combination of the Champions League and, of course, the Europa League as well? I mean, Europa League, but now nah, I don't care about Europa League no more. Uh, that, once we lost to Sevilla, I don't care about that competition. Hopefully, I don't have to hear that song ever again. Well, you might have to care about or it next year, my man. <laughs> Until we're fifth. Until until Liverpool pass me in the table, yeah, I will yeah. I won't hear whoa whoa whoa. But not for the Champions League, I was excited. Obviously, Man City Real Madrid, the semi final rematch, of course, and then obviously Milan, the Milan derby. That's just forget like just not even even if it was a quarter final. Any time in the Champions League, having a derby is, is a rare occurrence, and to have it one of the best derbies in world football. Twenty, I think it's been twenty years since the last one in the semi finals. That was just exciting to watch. And like Michael said, the tifos. The pre-game commentary, you had all legends. The mall oh. one on CBS Sports where you had Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher, Michael Richards. Like, they were shook by his aura. They were, like, when, they were just in, in the presence of greatness. And it was so weird to see, like, it's Thierry Henry's, like, a big be, name. Before we, get into, before we get into the games, you're right. I want everyone's opinion on that, right? That was, for me, it was, like, the hairs on my arm stood up when I see that, man. Look at this guy's aura. That, how is you know, how people like Thierry Henry are, are sort of, sh- not shook, but sort of overawed and emotion, emotional about this. That's 
stick with you, Griggs. That's that's football heritage. That's that's royalty. Is that what I think? That's what Henri called him in it. That's that's his yeah. royalty, right? Griggs, Paulo Maldini played eight Champions League guys finals. Guys, <laughs> some teams. Like, probably most teams in Europe haven't even reached five Champions League finals. This guy by himself played eight Champions League finals. He won five and lost three. This is how mad this is. Thierry Henry, after he finished talking to him, he said, I'm just glad he remembered our names. Yeah, but that just shows you the, the man himself, like yeah. how humble he is. He uh, Obviously, he... Look, I have my doubts about Michael Richards. I think he knows him because of the Fiorentina stint. Of yes, yes, yeah, he does. Yeah. A football man. If, in the, if it wasn't for the if it wasn't for the Fiorentina stint, he don't know Michael. Yeah, he, would, he wouldn't know him. Yeah, yeah. Michael, you calm down. <laughs> you calm down, my guy. If it wasn't for the Fiorentina stint, he don't know you. But, but Karen, you see how humble he is when he told even Henri. Like remember, Henri uh, eighty uh, ninety eight. Henri was what like twenty years old. That's after the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And when Henri told him that. I was scared going on your side. Paolo Maldini said, and also when I saw you on the touchline, I was scared that you're coming to play on my side. Like the humble there. And also yeah, when he course, told Carragher that I still keep your shirt as well. Like he told Carragher this. It's that it's the man himself. To be honest, like I have the like utter respect for Paolo Maldini. Like yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's and and you know, you're saying it from an Inter Milan fan point of view, but it's still there. But Michael. Maldini, just very quickly, where does he rank for you? I, I, I think he's number one for me in in, yeah. in terms of defender. So you look at can play right back. I know he didn't play that much. Can definitely play left back. Of course we know, and of course he ended up being a magnificent centre back. What's your thoughts on this guy, man? This legend. I, look, I didn't get to see him in the prime because I'm a youngster, but watching okay, okay. him in the clips of him, but. I'm I'm shocked at how good of a defender he was. Probably the greatest defender of all time, in my opinion. I I, I, I I'd second that, Bilal. That means you're like a youngster as well. That you may <laughs> well, Bilal. Bilal would tell us that Saliba's the greatest defender of all time. So I mean that 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 goes to yeah, show touch how young. And go, he, touch, touch and go. go yeah. Touch and go. But I mean Maldini. Yeah, it's Kiwi this week. It's Kiwi. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> but I was surprised at how well. English Maldini spoke. That that would really shock me because he never Classy. played. He only played for Milan, so I was like, "Wow, good English from Maldini." But yeah, he's he's an absolute legend. And when when Thierry Henry is shocked and mesmerized by the status of a player, you know it's greatness. And that that is Maldini, the greatest defender of all time. Hundred uh, percent. Bilal, is he? Yeah, well, from what I've seen of him, from what I've heard, the professional, like the top defenders, for example, Sergio Ramos. He's a top, top defender. And his reference point, he always said, is Maldini. And we took a picture with Maldini. And he was just in awe. This is Sergio Ramos. Some people say he's the greatest, like, modern centre-back of his, you know, generation. But someone like him is even overawed by the presence of Maldini. For me, listen, if you go with the football experts, you go with the little bits I've seen of him, obviously, growing up. And then I, you look at the, the clips, everything put together. Listen... You have to respect the football opinions of everyone and say this guy is the reference. And yeah, Maldini, Zidane. I think there's only a few players when you talk about them, you say their names, you know, that's it. You go Zidane, you go Pele, you go Maradona, you go Maldini. These sort of names just stand tall. And I think Maldini, when it comes to defending, definitely he is the reference, number one. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Um, guys, as you come There was in... another thing yesterday mm -hmm. that... Your guy, Caraga, called mm. Rio Ferdinand a clown live. Do you guys see mm. that? Did he actually? Yeah, yeah, funny Absolutely. Games. Live. He said, 
Yes, because it was Gerard and and we're gonna talk about the penalty and all the mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. But I was BT really surprised criminals. that they allowed that. Like he was, yes, yes, I'm allowed. I, I say Rio Ferdinand is a clown. I'm like, why, why would you want to say that live on the air? Like, million we know what happens in it. We know what happens. It's all about Liverpool, Man content. United. Yeah, content, and they they get on really well as well. Probably not get on really well but sort of they have that competitive edge you've got to remember sky bt yeah uh you know it's the whole you know rivalry uh, they know what that's what doing. i like that's what i like about cbs though like, this is when you know carragher feels like he's free because we know he's what carragher's free. about he's a proper he's he's about it you know what i mean so if carragher's saying that and he feels he's able to say that i don't think he'd say that on sky sports he wouldn't go on sky sports and be like oh this guy from bt is this and that no he wouldn't say that but because he's with mike uh, he's with Thierry Henry is with Kate. It's a proper with. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I disagree with you. That's disrespect. I, I disagree with you. That she shouldn't be saying that. I disagree with you completely. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying no, no, you know, yeah, you know, because when you're on TV, but... when you're in TV, is kids watching and all the stuff. And I disagree with you completely. Disagree with you here. You shouldn't be no, saying no, what, he what, what said, I mean. No, but what yeah. he said was he didn't say Rio Fernand is a clown. He said, I don't mind calling him a clown. Because on the back of, they tried to catch him out that he called Stephen Gerrard yes. a clown. So he used it as a joke. So what he initially said was, anyone who thinks that's a penalty after seeing the replays is a clown. And they went, oh, oh, really? And they put Stephen Gerrard, you know, uh, his comments. Out, and, he went, yeah. and, he went, and then he went, no, well, you know, Steve, he's an attacker. He tried to be funny about it. He goes, but I ain't got a problem calling the other one a clown, real, you know. So he didn't. I think it was more banter than disrespect, but... Listen. I found it funny. Like for me, I, because I'm an adult, I found it funny. I, I think I, I like, but, but going back to the setup that these guys have, I think it's their lead setup, man. It, it, you know, honestly, second only to Eurostars. Like they, they know their football, they're relaxed, they're chilled. Their chat is only second to us. I really enjoyed the coverage. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, on, I wish we could I, have I, it more. I had my own coverage yesterday on, on, who's on you, who's Watch Along. Oh yeah, yeah, you didn't watch a lot. But it beats. I think it beats any any other coverage for me. Anyway, yeah. Also, well, what they did. It's anybody, of course. What they did yesterday too was uh, typically for Champions League, Paramount will bring like the Champions League commentators. But since it was a Milan derby, they brought their Serie A coverage as well. I'm not gonna talk about it, Michael, because it was absolute dog shit. But fine. No, but I thought that was like a little cooler just to have like the Serie A, not just like Champions League, but. No, I didn't think so. It was, but also Peter Schmeichel adds a lot. People don't talk about Peter Schmeichel. He's becoming an elite broadcaster, by the way. Peter Schmeichel is he better Ask than my guy? Is he better than my guy Jan Agafiotov? I'm just saying, is he better than my, my guy? Is Jan Agafiotov? Now Fiotov is he's the guy. Yeah. in my opinion. He's the guy. Man. That interview he did with Mourinho last season is still in my head. <laughs> yeah, the reason why I'm saying Jan Agafiotov because don't go anywhere. You know what I mean? There's some news coming out very, very soon. Me and Yan hang out these days. Um, big up the community, man, and everyone on the panel. Big up True Blue Clay. So smash up the likes, people. Exactly. I haven't even asked for likes yet. 100 of you guys in there. Smash up the like. Let's get going. I know it's been a while, but we're back, back. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about this as well. Seeing Jekyll got me emotional, not going to lie. Yeah, Jekyll is... I'm going to talk about Jekyll, man. As in Jekyll is, yeah. What does this mean, guys? Buongiorno. 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 Okay. Um, Ten Hag allegations. Griggs, you're on fraud watch. Hmm. Bro, whole of Man United, the whole club, the whole institution is on fraud watch. If they let this slip, look, I'm going to put it out there. I don't think they're going to let it slip. I think they will get top four. I want to put it on record. 
But if they don't, but if they don't, yeah, yeah, and we do just check my Twitter, man. There's my reactions to that. So, yeah, Lord yeah. have mercy if you don't, and we get into the top four after the yeah, people already know what I've been going through this year with Man United fans, and yeah, anyway, we get into it, guys. I guess we have to start. We have to start. We're going to start in reverse order. Normally, we go with the first game that happened, but I think. I think we're gonna go with with the with the Milan derby atmosphere, second to none. It was spine tingling atmosphere. I'll start with you, Bilal. Spine tingling atmosphere, crowd. You, obviously, you know the fact that they both play their home games there. I don't know if it took something away for you or enhanced the atmosphere, but it was magnificent before the game started. For me, not so magnificent especially from an AC point of view, when the game started. Listen, from the TV, I was like, damn, I wish I was there. That was the kind of game that you just like, you, you want to be in the presence of. Because let's mm. be honest, I was thinking about it. I was like, listen, you get your Man Cities in the Champions. You get your Leipzig. You get all of these funny teams nowadays coming in the Champions. Funny teams. <laughs> yeah, but Milan versus Inter, that is proper heritage as they like to say and the atmosphere was crazy what was that wall where they just keep like running it's like a stampede about to happen but it's not obviously happening but yeah it was it was crazy every time the milan were down they were two nil down but their fans were absolutely you know amazing for a while the inter fans you could hear them more than the milan fans obviously because of the circumstances but i think second half even their fans raised it and in the end only losing two nil the way they played a positive result maybe but we'll get into that as well but yeah the atmosphere everything was just yeah unbelievable top class stadium i hope they don't knock it down and do whatever they're planning to do with it man keep that stadium it's, it's yeah that's what you need in football man michael um i've been pretty adamant that both teams are very average but inter are better for me than ac milan inter have got more experience in their squad inter have got a better squad when you've got the likes of korea lukaku uh, Brozovic on the bench. That's that's pretty pretty decent. I still will get onto that. What we think might happen in the final, whatever. AC Milan already for me were underdogs, but then Rafael Liao being absent was just the final straw in the corner. Or did you give them hope? Did you did you think the heritage, like we spoke about the AC Milan Napoli in the previous round, might come back to help AC Milan? What was your thoughts going into the game? My mission, my initial thoughts were it's just without Leal, I don't know where the goal is going to come from from this Milan side. Salamakers, he's just he has the ball and he just does pirouettes with it. He's like Anthony, but he doesn't know what to do. I think he got so juiced up on the goal he scored against Napoli, where he dribbled past five guys. That now, when anytime he gets the ball, he thinks he's God. Ben Asser getting injured in the first, I think, 15 minutes. That kind of hurts their whole sort of game plan and tactics heading into the game. And Brahim Diaz didn't do much. And then Giroud. The guy is just, he's a statue. He needs service. And when he doesn't get service, he's a ghost. So I knew once Leal was injured, all Milan had to do was try and go for a nil-nil. But the problem is, if you're conceding a goal like that from a corner in the first 10 minutes, tactics go out of the way. Then you concede a second goal, tactics go out of the way. I felt like the occasion got to the Milan players. You got to remember, some of these guys are very young. Tomori, Tonali... Theo Hernandez, they've never been in this situation. Of course, the Inter players, some of them have never been, but I, I really thought, like, the last couple of weeks, Inter, they're on fire. I mean, they, they're just scoring for fun. Six here, three there, comeback victory over Lazio. 
they're playing some good football. And I think for Milan, it's really the best thing to happen from Milan yesterday was signing the contract extension for Liao. That was the best thing. Everything else yesterday, they want to forget immediately. But I I don't really give hope for Milan. If Leao is not fully fit next week, I, I don't think they're going to score a goal. Oh, Michael, Griggs, are you in the same boat as, as, as talks, Michael? Because, yeah, it seems like it's all over before the game even starts. Or does history of Champions League and the history of these clubs, magnificent clubs, tell us to just calm and let's just relax and let's see what happens. How you feel? How do you feel before the game? Be honest, because I'll, otherwise I'll dig out your tweets in case you tried to lie and say you saw this coming. Nah, I I, I was rooting for Milan because I've always liked them. they were my favorite talent team as a kid. But I wasn't like I was fifty fifty on it. Obviously, the Liao injury kind of swung me towards Inter in terms of who was going to win the overall tie. Um, and I didn't think Milan were going to start that bad though. Like. I figured Inter might get like a draw win, but to concede like in the first five minutes was embarrassing. And the set pieces, I, I follow a couple of Milan people on Twitter. They always talk about set pieces that this Milan team, every set piece they concede, it looks like it's going to go and go on, on target or something like that. And that was what happened. And the second goal, Tomori, every single time Gareth Southgate watches this guy, he drops the ultimate disaster. Every single time. It's just disaster, disaster, disaster. And he was atrocious. And Inter, I think Michael said it, they've been on fire. Like, I think a month ago if this game was played, maybe Milan would have had a better chance. But the form that Inter are in right now, like Michael said, they, they score goals for fun. And when we talk about Champions League, you need X-Factor players. We talk about the goals. That's what wins you. And we look, we compare the attacks, especially with Aliao. We're talking about Edin Dzeko and Latar Martinez. One's a World Cup winner. The other one, Edin Dzeko, is one of the most best strikers of his generation or underrated strikers. Milan, Giroud's a ghost. Salamakas, Michael just explained how bad their attack is, and that's what happened. And that's like it was just so easy. Every time Milan, every time Inter got the ball, I thought they were going to score. And if Mike Minan wasn't in goal, and if it was Tatu Rusano or whoever the other goalkeeper is, it could have been a five. It could have been a five nil victory. So props to Inter; they just dominated them. Mo, the teams come out, and for me, obviously not an avid Inter Milan watcher as much as you. The one or couple of. team selection issues um, around the Brozovic and obviously Lukaku or Correa being seemingly the backup strikers to Dzeko and Latoro. He seems to go with Latoro and Dzeko in the big, big games. Did you agree with the team selection? Did you agree with, with the midfield setup like Henrik Mkhitaryan and Shanelaglu playing that deeper role and, and, and Brozovic being left out? Obviously, as I said, I'm not an avid watcher as much as you are. Or was this expected from you? It was expected, but I didn't like it. I actually wanted Brozovic start instead of Mkhitaryan and Lukaku mm-hmm. start in, instead of Dzeko and both ah. of them scored. Well, thank both God you're scored. not the Inter Milan no, manager. Thank God I'm not the manager. <laughs> but I still think, even after this, um, and, and we were talking about it in an inter-channel, uh, about Dzeko. Yes, he scored the goal, but I think his link-up with Lautaro has not been great lately. And we slowed down a little bit. This game could have been four or five in the first half, by the way. I thought if we had Lukaku on instead of Dzeko in the beginning, we could have scored more. Henrik Mkhitaryan had a brilliant game, absolutely fantastic game, which is unexpected because he plays a lot. But I, I thought it didn't matter who. To be honest, without Rafael Leao, mm. I said that we should win with three goals margin. Uh, I think this game should have been done. This tie should have been done. Without Rafael Leao, Milan has they have nothing. They literally have nothing. And Inter, at this point, it doesn't matter who plays. We have, we are in form. 
So for me, this time, it wasn't even close, to be honest. It wasn't. Even before it started, because the news about Liao came a day before, and that Tata was over. And as Michael said, I agree with Michael, they have nothing going forward. It's a very average team, this Milan side, without Rafael Liao. Very average. Mm. Uh, yeah, look, again, we looked at the teams um, and Bilal, exactly. Lukaku's been in a bit of form. I thought the same. Brozovic heralded as one of the most underrated number sixes in European football. And from the AC Milan side, guys, from what I've been reading and speaking to AC Milan people, this Malik foul has been revolutionary at centre-back. And he, like, I don't know, guys, have you been watching Milan enough to know? Have they been playing this back four recently? Yeah, or was, there, was there a chance of them maybe playing or matching up in midfield? Uh, sorry, in the, uh, in the formation-wise? Because I look at that team, nothing stands out to me, Bilal. Nothing. Krunic, I, I don't see what he does. Tonali's the only one who I think has got something about him. Simon Kier, a journeyman midfielder, uh, centre-back. Fikori Tomori, okay, no problem. Fikayo Tomori, no problem. You know, a lot of aspirations, a lot of people wanting him to do well for the fact that he's, you know, come from England, whatever. Really, Calabria heralded for his performance against an... Uh, tired and fatigued at the end of the season played so much football for a young man Karashila I don't know Theo Hernandez didn't have a great game I didn't see nothing in this team that suggested to me they're going to put up a fight that's just me yeah for me listen I think Milan lost this game for three reasons one Rafael Leal being injured 100% two Pioli for me I didn't understand Benacer out for Messias why are you bringing on another attack he started with you know three in the middle why didn't you just keep that going? Keep the numerical, you know, equality between the inter midfield and your midfield. You know, even though the wing backs as well, Demarco and Dumfries, these guys are like five at at times. You can't really stop them. But still, I feel like Pioli even weakened his team even more, bringing on Messias um, in the 18th minute. Simon Kerr, Kerr Bilal, and can I ask you something? Who would you brought on then? That what's his name? I can never say his name. The one last Pobega. Like, Pobega, Pobega, exactly. Just bring on a like for like. You know, just bring on a like for like, keep the keep the same sort of feeling going without the team. But 18 minutes in, you're kind of switching everything up. I think that's a bit crazy. But for me also, the quality and the third reason why Milan lost this game is the quality, as Mo said, like they're just average. They're actually beyond average, below average. Like Simon Kera, Calabria, that is one of the worst right side of a defence. No, Simon Kera is good. You really no, know. Michael can him. tell you. Simon Kera yeah, is good. He's, bro. he's decent, out. but yesterday he put an absolute disaster class. Yeah, but Tomori was, better than Tomori, yeah, yeah, but Tomori was zero. Tomori was on the zero. He was exactly. like, nothing. He was better than Tomori. He was getting Grace, dribbled by Jekyll. Oh, Sorry, Simon Kera was linked to Liverpool many moons ago. And back then I was saying, no thanks. Now add a few years to him. Mo, I'm not letting you rate Italian players like this. Not Italian players, but players in Syria. I know it's your, you love Syria and you're very defensive about Syria. But Simon Kier is not top six, top eight Premier League standard. No, no he's not, but he's not as no, bad as... as, yeah, as but then that's what we leave it. That's the levels that we're aspiring to. This is Champions League semi-final. You've got Fikayu Tomori and Simon Kia at centre-back. Fikayu Tomori was atrocious yesterday, guys. Atrocious. But I know, Bilal, you don't want to talk about him because you like him. No, no, no. Listen, I don't care. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. He was, he was rubbish. <laughs> it was rubbish. Zero out of ten. Southgate, like, listen. Like zero. Tomori, go get the like Canadian zero. passport, mate. 
Go no, no, go get the Canadian passport, bro. Tomorrow he's wow. not playing for England. Southgate's seen Tomorrow enough. Tomorrow got chopped by Eden Dzeko twice. <laughs> <laughs> and Lautaro for the penalty. Uh, Forget Lautaro. So we talk Lautaro is maybe younger, Michael. Yeah. But I know. But chopped by Dzeko. Eden Dzeko yeah, twice. Yeah, it's an 18-wheeler, Jekko turning. You know what an 18-wheeler? You're turning, seriously. That's concentration, everything, because that shouldn't happen. That just shouldn't happen. But that the quality of that Milan team is so bad. But you know one thing I'm happy for? I'm so happy Jekko scored. And as I am the biggest Olivier Giroud hater on planet Earth, I'm happy that, you know, he's not going to fraud his way to another medal somehow at his age. So, <laughs> yeah. He succeeded outside of your club. Oh, the That's hell? a man. No, 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 the, guy, the guy is... No, no, no. He's... I've been thinking, like, if Giroud keeps winning in 10 years, they're going to tell me he's better than all of these strikers that, that we've seen and we know we know his level. But, yeah, apart from that, honestly, Pioli, Milan, um, I, there's no chance Liao's going to be fit, right, for next week. No, there's even no, if, no, no. no. Yeah. Let's talk about the second leg later. But even yeah, if he's yeah. fit, it's like coming down from 2-0 down, I think it's an impossible mm. job for them. Like, Inter well, has to have, like, a complete day off. Well, people, as you guys know from the last stream I done, which was many moons ago, I can't even remember, but I've worked out how to do polls in the chat, and I've put up a poll. And I'm, Finally. I'm proud. I'm not gonna lie. I'm, I'm a genius. I'm a genius. And if I learn how I'm to do this shit, the world. I told you guys, the world's in trouble if I learn how to do this <laughs> shit. But I put a poll out there, and I've deliberately left out AC Milan. I've asked a question, a very simple question: Who's gonna win the Champions League? Maybe you guys think there is a comeback of epic proportions. I don't think so. Milan are out. Inter, Madrid, City. Let me know and we'll come back to that poll near the end of the show. Of course, don't forget to like as you come in. We're going to get into the game very... I don't think there's much to talk about in this game. Um, the first goal, Griggs, Jekko again will be a player that's probably before your time in terms of the overall of his career. But he's still doing bits in and around Europe and at the very highest level because Champions League semi-final is the very highest level. Stunning finish, awful defending. Why they had, who was it? Shana, Cala Shana, Calabria. Was Calabria. Calabria marking yeah. him. Yep. A fullback marking the one of the most prime target men in European football. Make it make sense to me, my bro. I, I can't make that. Like I said, Milan set pieces. This is a disaster waiting to happen. And put it was like, Jekyll, like he had a 12-year-old on him. He just shoved him aside and just yeah. finished him. Like, that's what it was. It's literally what it was. And it's just, it was a simple finish. For it was a, actually not a simple finish. It was a really good finish. Michael Manning was stunned. Um, but in terms of Eden Jekyll, obviously, like, I didn't watch his Wolfsburg days. I was a little too young for that. I have watched highlights of him. I know a couple of people have dropped, like, content on Brian. Him, him and Graffiti, they had that one year where they scored, like, oh. 82% of Wolfsburg's goals. Mm -hmm. Man City, I, had, I do remember watching him. I remember him scoring that goal against QPR to tie it up. And then, obviously, we all know what happened after. So. He was, he's always been underrated. He's never been the main guy on the, like, a top team. Like, obviously, at, uh, Manchester City was Aguero, Tevez, even Balotelli. That got a lot of the plot. Maybe not Balotelli, but especially definitely Tevez and Aguero. At Roma, he was really good. Obviously, they never won anything, but he always got his numbers. And then at Inter this year, he's getting his, he's getting his numbers. So he just continue, consistently gets his numbers while going under the radar. And I know him, the comparison now is between him and Giroud. Obviously, I know Bilal hates that comparison because he probably thinks mm -hmm. that Jekyll is clear of Giroud. I, I, I also think that... Unbelievably in, clear. In terms of just as a player, forgetting accomplishments and everything just yeah. as a player itself, I definitely think Jekyll was better. He's just... He also carried his country to a World, like a World Cup appearance, which is Bosnia's, I think, first ever. That's no small feat to, for himself. Obviously, they got grouped and everything, but still, I remember because they, they were in our group that year for qualifiers. So he's just a phenomenal player. And 
I'm sure history will remember him very kindly as more more time passes on. I, I yeah, look, I I, I want to just maybe just spend a, a minute or two on Ezin Jekyll. Uh, I'll come to Mo uh, in a little while, but Michael Ezin Jekyll. The question everyone like you know most slept on player over the last fifteen years, Jekyll. Like, has he failed at any club that he's been to? We can't actually say he's been a failure at any club or a flop per se. For me, because my son messaged me at 1.30 in the morning last night, right? Honestly. And I said, first I said, why aren't you sleep yet? Secondly, but then when he asked me the question, I said, okay, no problem. We'll have a little conversation. Because he said to me, he said to me, Dad, how high do you rate Jekyll? As in Jekyll. And I described him as a real target man. A man's target, man, a proper no, a born to play up front and the way he plays. Almost like, you know, I can't explain it. He has nothing outstanding about him, yet he's solid and very, very, he scores very highly in every aspect of strikership, if you know what I mean. Yeah, look, Dzeko is a very interesting striker because obviously he's got no pace, but he's got great, on the ball, he's actually fantastic in my opinion. Can shoot with the right foot. Can shoot with the left foot. He's got all the qualities. And he's won Wolfsburg, their only Bundesliga title. He obviously got the Man City to get to their Premier League title. Then what he did at Roma, the guy just kept scoring and scoring. I remember one goal in the Champions League he scored against Chelsea. Like it was like a left-footed volley. Absolutely ridiculous Stunning. Goal. Stunning, stunning. Stunning. And then, you know, Inter, he's still showing. 37 years old. 37. And he's still doing this in big moments. And... Then he's nutmegging Tomori? Ah, stop it. Like, Dzeko will be one of those guys where 15, 20 years, you'll tell your kids, guys, I know there will, I know you're going to talk about the Suarez's, the Lewandowski's, the Benzema's of this generation. But just check out Dzeko. Look at his goals. And look at the combination play. Because him and Grafite, that 08-09 season when Wolfsburg won, that, nobody could stop them. I think he scored like 25 goals that season, if I'm not mistaken. It was a ridiculous number. But I, I really like Dzeko and... Like uh, Greg said, he also led Bosnia to their only ever appearance at international competition, which is a stunning feat for... Do you know how stunning... I was just going to say, do you know how much of an achievement that actually is? Being? Yeah. People need to realize and accept that that is a stunning, stunning feat. He's a magnificent striker. As we welcome Sam to the stream. Sam, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Again. Uh, yeah, we're doing all right, man. Like, we've been... I've been watching you, man, do bits on my channel and on, on Eurostars, and I'm... <laughs> And I'm like, I haven't even done a show with Sam, man. Welcome, welcome. Hope you're doing well. Of course, we're going to get into your game. But can we very quickly, because I need to come to you very quickly. What's with the what's with the Dortmund top? Like, explanations <laughs> needed here. I've come straight from football. And uh, this is a, this is a Dortmund top I picked up on uh, Vinted because it's got Gundogan on the back. So it's a very good find. I yeah. thought, I, guys, I thought he's trolling like Jude... And he's trying to tempt the whole Jude situation. And he's thinking, okay, if I wear his top and Jude somehow Could watches his show. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, but welcome, Sam, to the stream. Uh, Mo, your man is in Jekyll. I know you wanted Lukaku to start up front. But please... Please, a couple of words on this guy. For me, I love Ezin Jekyll. I love Ezin Jekyll. I got Ezin Jekyll at the end of his career. For us, as, a, as an Inter, he's an okay player. He's not a legend for us. He hasn't done bits. Like, I know I, everybody just watches the Champions League and thinks like this guy. But for me, I, I always rated Edin Dzeko at Roma. 
before at Manchester City. I remember that game he played against Barcelona, the comeback against Barcelona with Roma. That was absolutely brilliant. It was under his leadership. At, for Inter, he's been doing a job for the money he's getting. He's not on a high wage. Uh, for me to get a player at a 36 years old and, and get double digits in both seasons at the club is something that not a lot of clubs get that with a, with a player at his age. Always comes clutch in big games, to be honest. Always. Even, by the way, in the league. Sometimes in big yeah. games, he just comes clutch. Like he will pop mm -hmm. up at the corner, a free kick, a set piece, a shot. He always knows where to be. And Grizz, you just said it. He is the perfect number nine because he has the technicality and he has the brain to know where to be always. So for me, Eden Jack is a top player. Really, really underrated. And he's not getting... Because of the Aguero moment, He, he nobody talks about his rule at that year. It's just that he was so essential to the run, to be honest. And I think Eden Jack is so underrated. Oh, absolutely. And Sam, you know, perfect timing, I guess. Cue, cue the Eden Jack talk and, and City and your experience of him and your opinion on him because we were just waxing lyrical about Ezin Dzeko. Uh, for me, one of the most underrated players, never mind strikers, players full stop of the last decade. Your opinions and thoughts on, on, the, on the man. Sam? Yeah, I was a big Dzeko fan. I mean, he had, he had a couple of... Uh, can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, you're through now. Is it me? Can you hear me Sam? all good? No, you, you're, you're in it. Is a yeah, little I was cut a bit jacket, in and out. I think, I think towards his, towards his, uh... No, I think he... Sam, maybe come in, come out. Come in and come out again, Sam, maybe. Come in and come out of the stream. Yeah? Yeah, yeah come in and come yeah, out. That yeah, might help. That might help. Um... Yeah, don't forget. Oh, let me. I want to ask a question here. Did anybody see any signs from Inter that if they reach the final, they have a chance against Man City and Real definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. I feel it. I Whoa, feel the, Whoa, the madness. Look at, look at Inzaghi. Look at his record in cup competitions. I don't. Just me. I know. I know. Maybe. I uh, maybe. Uh, look, <laughs> we're gonna get onto why I don't think. Mm -hmm. But look, just a very straightforward answer for me. No. There's always a chance. But sorry, the rest of you guys, feel free. If they play Man City, especially, I think they can, they've can. they got a big chance like of winning. Like, I feel like it'll feel like a 50-50 game. The way they're set up... It's is the other way around. It, yeah. I think it's the other way around completely. You think? I probably watch Inter more than everybody here, so I, I'm going to explain why. Inter on the counter this year because of the no pace. There is no chance if we play against City, we can make something happen. Because Man City will not give us the ball. If we play against Real Madrid, we will be able to control the game in terms of ball position. And we are better in that term. I know you're, you're laughing, but actually when we played Real Madrid, we were able to control the ball last year. When we played Liverpool last year, we were able to control the pitch. Man City don't give you that chance to control the ball. And, you know, with Lautaro and Dzeko up top, we have zero pace to hit the counter. We'll have to have the ball to create these chances from crosses and around the area. I think against Man City, we have no chance. I think we will, guys. Guys, I, it's my fault. It's my fault. I don't know if it's my fault. Is it, whose fault is it? Someone mine. No. I started. Mo's most fault. We will look forward to the final. When we get to the final, we will do a special and a whole hour on the final. Please. Let's not get distracted. We still got to talk about the main game, and I guess we will segue into the game. But Sam was trying to give his opinion uh, on the Edge and Jekyll chat. 
finish off that and then we will segue into your game. Sorry. Edgen Jekyll. That's all right. Yeah, no, hopefully that's my internet settled down. Perfect. Um, yeah, so, so towards the end of his time, he did definitely divide sick fan base because he did become quite inconsistent towards the end. But um, during the two titles that he won with us, he was pretty pivotal in both uh, the start of the, the first title winning season with his hat-trick away to Spurs. Got a couple of goals against Bolton as well away, so he started strong and had a good little partnership with Dzeko. But uh, for me, it was actually a second title under Pellegrini where I think he really shined in the running. And he was scoring some heavy goals in the last three months of that season uh, up against Liverpool. He scored against United away at Old Trafford. He went down to 10 men. He scored against Hull away. Uh, he scored against Everton twice away. He scored against Crystal Palace away. And he scored, crucial, two, goals, crucial scored goals. two goals against Villa in the penultimate home game. So, yeah, he went on a hell of a run, uh, got himself over 20 goals that season in all competitions, I think. And, yeah, he was just always a, a top player. Even when he had to come off the bench, he was a bit of a super sub at one point, which he, he didn't really like, but he just kept delivering over and over again. And, uh, yeah, I've always been a huge Checker fan, had a big soft spot for him and just delighted to see him doing well still the opposite, at the, the highest level. Opposite the total opposite of Bilal where he hates his ex-players and can't stand you, wants the bad for him. You, you actually want the... They're first. giving him Premier Leagues. These <laughs> guys are giving me stinkers against Monaco and all these teams, man. Like, no, I'm not... Yeah. It's different. It's different. Um, but, it's it's yeah. different. It's different. And it was different in the previous semi-final as well, the previous day. Of course, the eagerly awaited... For me, the final. For me... Winner takes all. This is the tie that will decide who is Champions League's winners 2023. Will it be Real Madrid for uh, how many times, guys? I don't 15, know. 15 winners. 15. Quick question. If Real Madrid win it again, is this the greatest ever era? Like, in terms of Champions Leagues? Like, this is crazy. Like, in how for many sure? years? Five in how many years? This is, and, and the Premier five League with the money eight, it I has. Think, I think it's five That's nuts. Eight. That's they own that. this. Listen, yeah. they own this Crazy. thing. But for me, or it could be the first Champions League ever for Man City, and this could be the turning point in their quest to become a massive, huge global club. Of course, Man City fans will tell us they don't care, they don't want this, but the owners do care. The owners have made the investment that they have to 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 become the pinnacle, to become the the the, the actual. Uh, Oh, you know, the Champions League winners. And I think for me personally, I think they will make it. Bilal, I'll come to you first. This game for me was the highest quality game I've seen all season, bar none. It was fantastic. It was tense. It was tactical. Two elite coaches, set of players, motivated, confidence oozing. I enjoyed this more than you can believe. Yeah, this is what you call tantalising. This was football. You know, this is what you want to see. This is Champions League. And yeah, it was a great game of football. The little matchups, Rudiger versus Haaland. I, I love that, you know, that Ancelotti was brave enough to just, you know what, Rudiger, you know, you just go handle him. Alaba, you know, he did his, his job there. Carvajal versus Grealish. All of these little matchups throughout the game that were just so interesting. This, uh, on top of the tactical battle that was happening at the same time, the likes of Camavinga. I want to shout out the Real Madrid players first because Camavinga. I have to I have to talk about him first because what a player. You know, left back. He's a cent- central midfielder. He's a number six. He's a number eight. He's a left back now. He's he just class. And Vinicius Jr., you know, 
I, I want to just uh, apologize a little bit because, you know, I got too carried away with my guy Kavicha Kavarascalia. You know, I was enjoying him a little bit too much. But Vinicius Jr. undoubtedly is the best left winger in world football right now. Un- unbelievable player. But yeah, overall, the game was very interesting. Like, I think overall, Real Madrid would probably be a bit disappointed with the result. I felt second half especially, they really started to grow into the game. And they probably should have got that maybe 2-1 in the end. And even when Man City scored, it was kind of in a moment where Ancelotti, you know, the Real Madrid they felt a bit angrier with Rodri not getting booked and all of this sort of stuff was happening. A bit against obviously the run of play, De Bruyne, great goal. And before he even scored, I think it was at half time, I must have tweeted something. I said, De Bruyne, today is the day. You have to rise. You have to rise. And in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, he crashed one in. And that was, uh, you know, when De Bruyne scores, it's like you're getting hit with a RPG in your face. Like it's just, it's just mad. So, yeah, crazy game, and it's all primed now for that second leg. Michael, the the two goals were stunning goals, but overall, the quality of the game was 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 magnificent, wasn't it? Man City, I thought were man. I, I genuinely thought Man City were sensational in that first thirty minutes. The way they controlled the whole game, it was typical of. Of course, I'm going to bring it back to Liverpool because I'm a Liverpool fan and I'm an old Liverpool fan. So I remember going away in Champions League games and quieting the crowd. That's what Liverpool used to do. We know about Bernabeu. We know about Real Madrid heritage. I thought Man City played the perfect game in that for opening first half an hour and total dom- stranglehold without creating any chances or whatever. It was just magnificent to watch um, from a controlling point of view. But then something changed. And I think it was the interval where, guys, I don't know if you remember, who got the head injury for Gundogan? Gundogan yeah. got a head injury and Carlo Ancelotti had a few minutes with the, with the players on the side. And there was a slight change in emphasis and pressing from Real Madrid. I'm not tactically nuanced enough to know exactly what they'd done, but there was a slight change. But still, it was a magnificent opening, right? Oh, yeah. it was. That game was just the highest quality you can get in Champions League football or world football. And we saw that, you know. Vinny, I mean, uh, I like Bilal. And I agree that Kivicha was the best left winger this season. But, man, Vinny, when the stakes are high and the pressure is on, you need your big players to step up. And Vinny's done that time and time again. And he's probably happy because in La Liga, he's getting triple teamed, quadruple teamed, five guys on him. Here, one-on-one battle with Kyle Walker. And you see, they both, they relish in that battle. They, this is like, when you know when footballers just enjoy playing and they just want to just compete with each other. That's what Walker and <laughs> Vinny did all game. All game. And it was awesome to see. I got to say, though, City could have really, that first 30 minutes, if they got a goal... They could have really won this game, I think, 3-1 or 2-1. I felt they were a little bit too safe with their possession. I think they were they kept possession well, and they were just controlling the game. But I just felt like a couple occasions they could have really gotten at, at Real Madrid. But you they... see, but the intriguing, but the beauty of that, and I I know what you I know where you're coming from, but the beauty of that was they were also respectful of Real Madrid. You see, this, oh, yeah, wasn't, this wasn't a Premier League game they were playing. And of course, we'll get Sam's view and opinion on it from a City point of view. But I think it was mutual respect. And Real Madrid, the beauty of Real Madrid was they didn't panic. Probably the first time ever, like they've been starved of the ball for half an hour. Yet yep. they didn't panic. They didn't panic. And then that goal comes, Griggs. Um, 
Vinnie Junior, I'm actually going to do a poll while you speak. Because um, I, I was asked this question on 90 Minutes this morning and said, is he top three in the world right now? Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I think he deserves to sit at that table with the top two, in my opinion, because I think it's another 2020 season um, in all competitions. That's back to back. And we all talk about big players. Um, they need to step up, right? x Factor. that's what Champions League is all about. He scored in the final. He, he had that nice run at the Etihad last year in that first leg when he cooked Fernandinho. And then today, that goal. I mean, Vinny's biggest weakness is typically, right, ball striking. He's not the best finisher. And that game, he just blasted it. And Ederson couldn't couldn't do anything with it. And that's just a fantastic goal. Like Michael said, the matchup with him and Kyle Walker, it felt like I was watching a basketball game where they were just calling ISO against each other. Like, let me see who could get the best of each other. And first time I've probably seen it, they both won the matchup. Like, Vinicius got the better him and Kyle Walker. And then... Vinicius, on the half turn, I don't think I've ever seen a faster player on a half turn. He gets the ball on the half turn, and he's past you within a millisecond. Not even a, a millisecond. It's like watching The Flash, like the superhero in real life. That's what it feels like, and he's just absolutely sensational. And I thought, we talked about the respect. I think man, I think Real Madrid showed the respect to Man City in that first 30 minutes. Like, let's not press him because we all know what Man City could do and the quick attacks. They have the they have a transition threat monster in KDB and Holland, and, man, and Real Madrid knew that. And then you said, like, the injury. And then Madrid said, all right, we're at home. They figured, they, they gave the first 30 minutes. And after that, I think they realized they were the home team. And they said, we have to get something in this game because we have to go back to the Etienne next week. And that's what they did. And the funny thing is, both goals came against the run of play. I felt yeah. like it was, that's that was the best part about the game. It was, like, that was so cool to see that, like, it wasn't, like, the goals didn't come during periods of domination. It came, like, like on a counter in a sense. And that was great to see. And I think Camavinga, Bilal talked about him. Obviously, he made the error for the city goal, but before that, he he was a big reason for why Vinicius scored his goal because that run that he made from left back and Carlo Ancelotti kind of had him playing in the midfield a couple of times as well, tactical. Because I I remember a couple of months ago I said Carlo Ancelotti tactically hasn't always been the best. I always think that he kind of lets his teams figure out most of the times, but I think yeah, on Tuesday he really stepped up the game tactically, and I thought he tried to, he made it a chess match against Pep and probably even that. So I I thought tactically it was a great game and on the quality on the pitch. But Benzema, that's one, one thing. Benzema, I thought, had a really poor game. I thought his touches let him down a couple of times. So uh, for for his sake, I hope that he steps it up in the second leg because they need him. Because while Vinicius did his part, he needs his co-star to do his part. And But otherwise, just a fantastic game. We're going to get more of the City perspective, of course, in a, in a minute or so. But Mo, sticking with the Madrid perspective, Shane McGee says, is there any thought that Real were fine with City having the ball? And maybe that was part of their plan. What do you think? How did that opening half, or, 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 or moving on from the opening half, how did you how did you see let me, this? Let me, this game, I think I disagree with everybody about the quality of this game, actually. The quality of this game was far, far between like the moments that, I, I think actually Real Madrid wanted to make sure that they don't concede early. Remember last year, they conceded two in the first 10 minutes, but they were so poor in trying to get out of the press. And uh, in, in short uh, terms, you beat Pep Guardiola if you bypass the first and the second wave of press, which is what happened in the goal. And that didn't happen before he uh, uh, Ancelotti talked to the players. I thought Man City were very, very poor in the first 30 minutes. I know that they had the ball, but I thought they half them up. Uh, Real Madrid got them where they wanted them, which is the right and the left winger, Bernardo and Camavinga, one and one and Jack Grealish on Carvajal. And I thought that the Real Madrid players won that battle fair and square, one and one. And this is exactly what Ancelotti wanted 
Man City to have the ball out wide. Jack Grealish, I thought, was was poor. So did Bernardo Silva. They lost their battles in this game. So, yes, Man City can have the ball. They created one, I think, chance, which is that, that De Bruyne chance. But I thought that Man City were poor. They should have created more clear-cut chances, and they didn't because they couldn't break uh, uh, Real Madrid enough. And after this, it's simple. I thought that actually Pep Guardiola told his team to drop deep after they conceded. He wanted to make sure to stay in the game because if they conceded the second, I thought this tie could have been over, by the way. It, you lose 2-0 to Real Madrid in the first half, I think you're going to have to attack more and it's going to open spaces in the back. And I thought that Pep Guardiola, on purpose, had his team sit back because Real Madrid had zero shots on target between 35 minutes and with the goals they scored, by the way. Real Madrid had the ball, but they didn't have clear-cut chances. And that's credit to Pep Guardiola to stick in to the defense instead of going full-on press. And I think this is something he learned, by the way. Again, it's Bayern Munich. He gave Bayern Munich the ball. He's like, we're not going to go full-on against you. You have to come to us. And I thought that this is what he did. So for me, the game was tactically amazing, but the players on the pitch, some of them really had poor games. And you can pick probably 10 players. Modric wasn't great in the game, to be honest. Yeah. I thought I thought Modric was okay in the game. Valverde wasn't there. He was, He's running, but not great. Bernardo, you can count a lot of players that didn't have great. Kyle Walker didn't have a great game. I thought the quality in this game was lacking due to the pressure. Both teams had immense pressure. <clears throat> there you go. An alternative view on the game after I call it the highest level. But question. it's fine. Uh, you go on, Michael. Do you guys think that because they they know who's on the other side of the bracket, like Mo just had the pressure, do you think that adds more of the pressure? Because yes. They kind of I agree like with you 100%. 100%. And Michael, yes. Because they know this is it. That this is the chance. Yes, thank you, Grace. Nobody wants to lose this semifinal because this is a golden chance for these two teams to win the Champions League. They think the Milan teams are weak and they are rightly so. This is... You're probably going to get the weakest finalist in years in the Champions mm. League. So I think there's immense pressure in both these teams. And it affected the, the level of play. Sam, um, obviously, I disagree, which is fine. Uh, I think it was, I think it was uh, like Kevin says, unfortunately, Kevin's a Man United fan, by the way. He says, unfortunately, I think it shows a maturity in City. I agree with him. Yeah, Sam, from your point of view, the game, the occasion, the atmosphere, did you view it as, of course, you don't want to look ahead. Of course, you don't want to count your chickens before they've hatched. Mm. Yeah. But did you look at it? This is the final. We get past these owners of this trophy. Surely it's ours this season. And do you think it showed in Pep's preparation in terms of how the way he set up? Because the lineup pretty much expected, right? Was There was no surprise or shocks. Carl Walker was expected to come back in, especially yeah. with the threat of Vinicius. How did you see the game before? And how do you feel at 90 minutes? I think during the game, it was obviously a great tactical battle. I think coaches were tweaking things throughout. I think there was, I think I, I do agree a little bit with Mo in terms of there was, there was quality in the game, but also I felt like both teams in midfield were a little bit sloppy at times. I think for the level that they're at, Modric, Rodri, Gundogan, Bernardo Silva towards the end as he got tired, giving the ball away, very unlike them. But yeah, the quality of the goals, both came against the winner play. I think Pep said that in his, in his press conference after as well. Um, and I think in those first 30 minutes, I think City were definitely just trying to kind of quiet in the crowd, grow into the game. Um, 
still created a few chances, to be fair. I think Haaland had two shots on target in the first 30 minutes, one with a header, another chance which she didn't really catch cleanly. Rodri had a shot from the edge of the box, and I think De Bruyne had a shot as well. So we we had three or four chances, in a, in a word words, really. Not massive chances, but some chances. Um, and then once Real Madrid scored, the game kind of gradually changed more back into Madrid's favour. Camavinga started to come in midfield. They were sort of overloading those areas a little bit. And, you know, at that point, I was, you know, about 10 minutes into the second half, I was kind of ready to take a 1-0 back to the Etihad. <laughs> so to get the to get the goal and the equaliser uh, against the play and then hang on, kind of, in a lot of ways, for the draw, for me, felt like a fantastic result. And I think a lot of what Pep has been doing away in the Champions League has been purposeful. We've only won one away mm-hmm. game in the Champions League this season, and that was the first game against Sevilla. That's it. Every game's been a draw since. Wow. We drew against Leipzig. We drew against Bayern away. We drew against Dortmund away. And we drew against Copenhagen away. We've only won one game away because Pep played it very safe. And then when we've come back to the Etihad, we've actually been more aggressive, more on the front foot. The crowd and the atmosphere. I went to the Bayern home game, one of the best atmospheres I've had at the Etihad in the Champions League game. I feel like the club are starting to get it a little bit more at the Etihad. And the reason I was happy to take a 1-0 back is that I'm confident that we can get the job done at home. Not as confident as before, because you know, I don't get a chance to watch Real Madrid a lot outside the Champions League. And for me, compared to last season, Real Madrid have definitely improved compared to last year. Last year, we we battered Real Madrid at home. It could have been seven or eight, no exaggeration, with Haaland up there and it's clinical finishing. We could have put the tie to bed and to only come away from the with a one-goal advantage last season was criminal. So to get to there with a 1-1, for me, was massively positive. And I think I mentioned on the last podcast when I came on, our ability now to defend and be comfortable out of possession is a huge development in, in not only Pep City, but a Pep side overall. He is really embracing proper defenders this year. I think he said it after the game. We haven't got a Zinchenko or a Cancelo in there. You know, a Kanji, a left-back, he was solid. He won his duels when he needed to. John Stones and Diaz, both the same. That Diaz last-minute challenge when Vinicius got in the first half and nicked it off Rodri. You know, those kind of challenges. I think John Stones got a block a couple of times on Benzema as well. Just proper defending that Pep seems to appreciate. We defended cross as well. We were inundated with free kicks and corners. When you think last season, we conceded two goals from crosses right in the last seconds, everyone knows. And now Pep is really valuing proper defending and having a more more of a well-rounded team. You know, we can play in transition, we can play possession game, we can sit back and and soak up pressure. And, and that's very different to, to anything he's he's built previously before, I think. For me, they can go true. long now. They can go long now, Grace. This is what not we only, saw lately. Not only I mean, of course they can with with the man himself, but for me, he's look as much as I you know, obviously rivals or whatever you want to call Man City, Liverpool, you know. He's a genius. He's, a, an, he's an absolute genius. And, and we've been speaking about sort of evolutions and stylistically for different various teams. And we've spoken about, spoken about Man United and the Ferguson, Wenger and whatnot. This guy has literally transformed this way of playing probably twice in one season, in, in this season. So he starts off as Cancelo as the inverted fullback. Obviously has a falling out from a personal point of view, whatever. Cancelo is a bit of a moody so-and-so, whatever. Chucks him out. 
and Sam, stick with you very quickly. He's actually playing a, a centre-back in midfield now. He's not playing inverted full-back, guys. And I'm, and I'm not the only one who's noticed this. He's actually playing an orthodox full-backs. Akanji's playing pretty much left-sided centre-back, stroke left-back, can't walk on the same. He's actually playing the old-school sweeper almost, but in front of the back four in John Stones, who has the intelligence from a central point of view, not from an inverted a la Trent Cancelo point of view, Zinchenko point of view. This guy has done all this coaching and setting up whilst the season's going on and happening. This guy is remarkable tactically. And you're right. I think Man City have got a far better structure out of possession. And I think Madrid showed you respect. This is where I disagree with a couple of players. That, and I think Man City showed Real Madrid the respect. I think it was a very, very respectful performance from both sides. Tactically, they were so respectful. Yes, both coaches knew exactly that I don't want to lose this game with a, with a bigger than one goal. And I thought that Pep Guardiola, to be honest, his approach to the game was a little bit naive in the beginning of the game, a little bit with having Bernardo Silva over Riyad Mahrez. Because I thought that if they had Riyad Mahrez with that flair on the side against Camavinga, could have had a better chance because I thought Bernardo Silva was totally dominated on that side. But again, but that was being pragmatic. Thing. Yeah, being pragmatic. He wants Bernardo with yeah, it. But, he, every but, big but, game, Bernardo is playing now for him. Yeah, not but, but also you, you remember that against the the uh, that goal that they scored, Real Madrid came from bypassing the press of yeah, Bernardo. But for example, yeah, but for, yeah, but for example, I'm not more. saying Bernardo's bad. I'm just saying that. No, no, no. I agree. I want Mahrez for me is better but offensively I, than Bernardo. I think yeah, of John, course. Uh, I think job done. And in the second half, like Sam says, second game, Morris comes in. I think they that... Said they were lucky, Grizz. They were lucky to get that goal because that ball went out. And I know that it cannot go back. They were lucky a little bit to get that goal because yes. I thought that City, the chance has passed them after that 30 minutes. After Haaland chance, when he didn't get a good connection with the ball, that De Bruyne, I thought that the chance has passed. But that, that goal from Kevin De Bruyne is a genius, yes? But I think they were a little bit lucky to get away with that, with that, with that goal. To be honest, Bilal has the chance. Partly, I feel like hmm? I feel like this. The, the other element to this is that playing Real Madrid in the burn. There's just so many other elements to come in. Not just because of the mm -hmm. quality of the players they've got, Vinicius and Benzema, and so on, you know, so and so. But when you're playing Real Madrid, and we obviously played them last year, and we saw it happen. But you do kind of forget in the space of a year what it's like playing Real Madrid in the Champions League at the Bernabeu. The referee wasn't particularly great. To be honest, he was definitely the Real Madrid players were all over him. The bench, the fans, the manager—it just all comes into it in part in terms of how you know how difficult it is to play them. This is their competition, and you're playing them in the Bernabeu, and the, the you know the, the pressure from the players' point of view because everything feels like it's going against you in those in those moments. And and as you know, I sent earlier to someone about Ancelotti. I rarely see Ancelotti like this. He was in the he was losing it. He was in the refs. Ear the whole game. It was quite, it was quite remarkable for me because he's not really really like that. So there's just so many other elements to playing Real Madrid at the, at the better. And I think I think in terms of playing Mares, I think Pep would have seen that as a more risky move. I mean Bernardo, he's you know he's got legs. He can track Camavinga. Mares was never going to do that. Just, you know he was never going to show the same defensive responsibility. He might he might play in the second leg. I think personally he'll play Bernardo again. He'll bring Mares off the bench. Um, but yeah, I think and, and Bernardo took some side as well, provides extra, you know, 
ball possession, ball retention element that Mahrez is not quite the same type of player as. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it was a mistake to play Bernardo Silva because, you know, his, his performances and this, well, you know, this, well, is, this is this is this is the settled team that Pep has got. Sam. Am I surprised? He didn't, he didn't he didn't make any subs. Yeah, I'm not surprised. At all. Are you not surprised? You're no, not. That's fair. He, he did this, this. He did this. He did this against Leipzig as well. Away two rounds ago. Um, I think he's the first manager to do it since Ferguson. I think in another Champions League semi-final. Apparently, when when Pep feels like even though we weren't playing great, he's a little bit paranoid in that he feels that if he brings a player off the bench who isn't up to the speed and the rhythm and the intensity of the game, he will not do it. Even if he would rather have a tired Bernardo Silva for the last 20 minutes than a fresh Riyad Mahrez who maybe isn't quite tuned in to the intensity and the sort of the kind of the tactical nuances, I suppose, that, that's going on around it. And that's that's why he doesn't do it. And we see it all the time. I thought he might have made maybe like an 87th minute sub, maybe put Alvarez on for De Bruyne or Haaland. Sometimes he does that just to give a little bit of energy. But he doesn't, He in a, in a big game, even if he feels like it's close, he will not do it. I think at Anfield this year, this year we're losing one 0 He brought Alvarez on in the 89th minute. That was the only sub we made during that game because he's just too afraid of the rhythm being disrupted. He is happy to run with it and keep it settled. You know, if it's if it's tight, unless we're playing absolutely disastrously, he will keep it the same. Guys, the question I guess on everyone's lips now is, how do you see this game now? One by one, we go through the different opinions. Of course, it's 1-1, and that will suggest it's in the balance. But the way Man City play at home these days, with a ferocity and intensity like Sam's alluding to, where they really go for sort of teams' throats, as opposed to away from home, where they're more controlling. The X factor in all of this is this is not no ordinary team that's coming to Man City. This is mm-hmm. Ala Madrid. Mm. This is this is Los Blancos. This is like these guys know how to handle pressure. I call them the best team that can deal with any situation. They do what they've got to do. How do you guys see this? Bill, I'll start with you. Yeah, well, it's going to be a tight game, most likely the second leg still, even though Man City now are the favourites going into this game. I wish there was an away goal in this um, you know competition, but I know it's gone now, but I think it would have added so much more drama to this game but to be honest for me I think he's still going to start Grealish if it was up to me in my front three for to be honest it'd probably always be like Haaland Foden on the left because I just love the idea of Foden on the left especially against Carvajal I feel like Foden would tear him you know to pieces and then Mahrez on the right and then take a bit more risk there or even try and play Haaland and Alvarez together I don't know but he's not going to change the whole system De Bruyne etc it's going to cause more headache but yeah, it's going to be a, a tight game. Man City, definitely the favourites. But Real Madrid, we saw what they did to Liverpool. I know Liverpool are not, you know, the Liverpool of the last few years. But beating Liverpool the way they did at Anfield, they're not going to go to the Etihad thinking, oh, you know, we can't do it. They beat uh, they beat Man City before in the past. They're going to believe that they can do it. And I think there's going to be more space for Vinicius in this game. And that's the risk. Because the more Man City are going to take the you know, advantage in this game. They're going to start pressing. Like the first 30 minutes in the Bernabeu, right? That first 30 minutes, Real Madrid couldn't get out the half, right? Imagine that at the Etihad and the fans on top and they're feeling, you know what, we can get the first goal of this game. We can take the tie to the next level. Vinicius Jr., one pass, couple couple combinations. It's like four passes. I read a quote today about Mourinho and he was talking about how, you know, Real Madrid, when they were... You know, they got beat by Barcelona the year before. 
you know, they go, went and won the league. But they always felt that when they were ready to win the league, they could kill any team in four passes. And I feel this energy with this Real Madrid team. I feel like a couple passes into Vinicius and it's an element of the game that Pep can't control. And that's the one thing. Vinicius is uncontrollable. And that's the element that Pep is always going to have in the back of his head. And that's maybe why we might end up seeing Bernardo playing, just to keep it more pragmatic in the best way possible for Man City. But yeah, Man City is still the favourite slightly. But Real Madrid, man, just can't count, you can't count them out. Michael? Um, I don't know if I've said this record before, but Man City haven't lost a home game in the Champions League since 2019. So if no, they haven't team... lost in 2019. Since 2019, yeah, they haven't lost the game. What? What? Who, who did they the beat them? Uh, Leon. Leon. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure yes. that was 2018. Was it 20, uh, 2018, 2019? If there's one team that doesn't care about records, doesn't care about any of this, can have the great atmosphere at the Etihad, it's Real Madrid. But one thing Real Madrid need is Benzema has to step up. I, I think he was very fatigued on Tuesday because obviously they had the Copa del Rey final over the weekend. And I think just a lot of games. This weekend, Real Madrid can rest players. Can Man City do it? Maybe. Obviously, they can rotate you know, Alvarez in. They can bring in Foden. But they're going to have a battle against Everton away. That's not a ground you want to go to. And then you got Real Madrid the next game. I think Real Madrid, they're going to rest 11 guys. Their whole starting... All the starters are going to be gone. And... The conundrum for Ancelotti is what do you do? Because Rudiger, that was a sensational game by him. I think a lot of question marks were, okay, how is Rudiger going to do? Well, he did fantastic, but Militao is going to be back from suspension. So what, what is Ancelotti going to do? Is he going to play both Militao and Rudiger and then maybe play Alaba left back and then move Kamavinga into midfield? Or is he going to just bring Rudiger back to the bench? So there's going to be some question marks for Ancelotti, but I just see Man City and they... Even though Holland didn't score, that's now two games in a row he hasn't scored. You can guarantee on Wednesday he is scoring. There, See, he isn't. Go ahead. It's, it, no, I was just going to say it's brilliant. Look at Michael, Michael uh, Griggs. I come to you. Michael set it up so brilliantly. He's he's spoken about the the Man City record at the Etihad. Then he's spoken about the aura and the heritage of Madrid. And in the end, I could see from his facial expressions. I don't know how to call this. I don't think I don't. anyone apart from maybe Sam knows how to call this, you know, where are you with this, Griggs? I was going to bring up the home record for Michael. And then also Real Madrid, by the way, have not won a semi-final where they haven't won the first leg at home. They haven't done it yet in their history <laughs> in the Champions League. And this is the 14 times winning. We bring the stats and the facts. <laughs> history versus they never won at the Etihad. They're over 2 City beat them in that, uh, that, uh, the year where it was like empty stadium in 1920. And obviously last year they beat them. But obviously, like Michael said, it hasn't happened before, but Real Madrid, they know how to be the first to do something. So it wouldn't shock me if they did break the record. But honestly, all points for me, everything points to City winning because all they had to do in the, for, for me at the game at the Bernabeu was not lose by more than one goal. That's all they had to do for me. And I take it back to Etihad because I've been arguing with people on Twitter. People think that Etihad is not a fortress. It is a fortress. Oh, they do not fortress. lose there. Yep. In any big game, they do not lose there. Even when they got knocked out by Spurs, right? They won that game, but they lost on away goals. Like they still won that game. They don't lose games at the Etihad, no matter what the occasion is. And for me, I just think it all points to like, I don't think it'll be like a blowout or anything, but it just points to me like City winning like 2-1, 3-1. I just like, Erling Holland has missed like five big chances like the last two games. He's probably loading up, he's probably getting all the big chances out so he can score like a hat trick or something. Who knows? And KDB has showed up has showed up in big games the last couple of years. That's been his biggest asterisk, I guess people always use against him. And 
every single time that he just scores in the clutch. And I think I think Phil Forder might actually have a part to play in the second leg. I think he hasn't really played that much. It would it would be kind of uh, narratives wise the hometown kid, the Manchester, the academy star boy to take him to a final and the final they will most likely win. So I think Man City will win as much as it hurts me because that treble is getting closer and closer and closer. And it's if, a wrap. If they beat Madrid, then it's that's the first that's the first it's leg of the treble done. They're gonna win the league, and then it all comes down to me doing it. I don't trust my team to win the FA Cup finals. So <laughs> it's hurting you know, right now, but you I don't need to concentrate team. on that battle for fourth. Suddenly, Mo. Uh, how do you see this, man? Do you a think that the levels will have to improve in quality? Do you think either manager will be more braver? Because I agree with you. I agree with you. They both showed not fear but respect, and it showed on the pitches. The players respected each other. There was a few tired limbs. It's been a long season. All those guys that you mentioned, Modric, how old is he? Benzema, how old is he? These guys have played every game. Lot, uh, sorry, a lot of games. World Cup season, but tomorrow. Next week, I should say, both teams will put it on the line because they know the importance of this. How do you see it? Let me just keep it short. City are favourites playing at home. I think the form they are in at home, there is no doubt they should be licking their lips and saying, we got away with 1-1. We're going back to our stadium. But if you're going to pick a team to get a result against Man City, even if it's a draw to take it to extra time and penalty, it is this particular Real Madrid that is a mix of Rodrigo, Vinny, Kamavinga, Chomeni with the experience of Cruz. Also with Rudiger playing the way he's going to be. Rudiger is going to be up to the battle with Haaland again. Edir Militao is back. So if there is one team in the world that can get a result at the Etihad, I think at the moment it's going to be this particular Real Madrid with this genius Ancelotti, to be honest. So it's going to be an epic battle. I think I I can't wait for the game. I can't wait. As a neutral, we have to be yeah. neutral, right? All of us. I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I want to face Real Madrid in the final. Sam. <laughs> You're uh, going to regret that if that happens, Mo. Sam, who, City, with, me, with me in this game, Sam, I I wouldn't be looking forward to it from an enjoyment point of Obviously, happy to be and mad excited. But how are you feeling in, in going into this game then? Because like I think Michael was saying, um, you've got to a league title to win, even though you're very, very firm favourites now. Are you going to be able to rotate? I think you will. I think he's going to. Help. I think he's going to rotate at least four or five players. But it's Everton, and you can afford a loss even and still win this league title. Yeah, yeah. Take that loss. Take that loss. If, yeah, everything. <laughs> no, no, no. You're finished. You're finished. No, no, everything. What? Everything. Everything points to both teams resting their players, big gun, so to speak. Talk to me. What's what's your out what's your outtake outlook on the game on Wednesday? Is it Wednesday or Tuesday? Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah, I think I think first of all, just for the with the Everton game, I think he will rotate quite a lot. I think he made seven changes for Leeds. I think we could see a similar amount yep. for this for this game because I think in some ways Pep will look at it not as a not as a free hit, but I remember a few couple of years ago we were playing the Champions League in between those Spurs games and we were in the title running with Liverpool and I think Pep worked out that between the end of the season the only game where they kind of could rotate players was the first leg against Spurs and he, he dropped De Bruyne and Sane for that game and we obviously lost 1-0 so he kind of looks for those marginal right where can we afford to drop points and it's still to be possible and I think this Everton game could be could be one of those um, that said Haaland will probably still play because Haaland plays every game 
Um, we did say which humans will be changed. He, yeah. you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't come into that category. Ireland didn't do anything against Machines. Trump, man. He's fresh. He's fresh. Oh, Bilal, every yeah, time you right. speak, the week fresh. following, everything <laughs> obviously happens, and you've just said it again <laughs> now. Like Patrick Harland coming up. Yeah, we so, yeah, probably. I mean, Alvarez, Foden, Mares, Laporte will come in for very good players to bring in. Um, maybe Rico Lewis. And then outside of that, not 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 too sure. But going to the game Wednesday, um, I said it was a great result to get a one-one draw at the Bernabeu. Really good result to bring back our record. Obviously, recently in the Champions League, we have made it into a bit of a fortress at home, and we have played really well in big games at home in recent times in this year. It's very hard for a City fans to feel confident in the Champions League, though. Um, and to be honest, the chink of doubt I've got, and it's quite a big chink of doubt, is it does surround Vinicius Junior because he was just almost unplayable at times. Even Walker had been our sort of, you know, not cheap go to guy. We put him on Mbappe, we put him on yeah. Hazard, etc. players down the year. You know, his, and you feel confident. You know, you feel confident, but he backs himself against Vinicius Junior. There was, you know, showed after the game, there was a mutual respect between the two. And I think Walker didn't have his number as much. You know, some 50-50 battles he won. At points, Vinicius, over the first five yards, was quicker than him. And I'm not sure Walker's, you know, rarely experienced that in his career. Um, I think Greg said at the start, you know, at the, the first five yards, Vinicius' explosive round the corner is frightening. He is electric. And the way he scored that goal and the form that he's in, yeah, he's, he's the kind of one I'm really worried about, like you guys said, having a bit more space if we try and be a bit more aggressive. Um, we're going to have to defend with our lives again. We did it against Bayern. You know, the, the Bayern game, we won 3-0. I was at the game. We played excellently. Bayern also were brilliant. We defended with our lives in that game as well. Akanji, Ake, Diaz, all of them, 1v1 battles. They they had to be you know, 10 out of 10, and they were because Bayern put us under big pressure. Rodrigo and Vinicius are going to do the same, and Walker and if it's Ake or Akanji will have to have 10 out of 10 games again to keep Real Madrid out. But yeah, I suppose the, the, you know, I'm hoping that the joker in the pack for this year is Haaland because, you know, he might have had a quiet game in the Bernabeu. You know, Rudiger might have done his best and was trying to shuffle him and rough him up at the, up at the halfway line. But we've got to find a way of getting Haaland touches in the box and getting you know, those first time finishes that he's so good at. I think one thing that Madrid did really well in, in their in the game just gone is that they've really restricted De Bruyne in that sort of half space. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Cruz and Valverde were sort of protecting those areas either side where De Bruyne likes to operate in. And Pep said after the after the game that he's got an he's got an idea. That's all he said. He's got an idea about what's the change in the second leg. So I think you know the tactical genius here is he might not necessarily change something with formation and and, and lineup, but just a little tweak to maybe give De Bruyne more of a pathway to get Haaland into the game. Um, and we'll probably play a touch more direct than we did in this in this game just gone. Because we one of the reasons Haaland was so quiet is that we were deliberately not going, you know, we were not playing long. We didn't want the transition mm-hmm. in that second half. We wanted to keep it safe. Um, that probably won't be the same with its level going into the last 30 minutes. Yes, I mean, we would be trying to hit Haaland and, and, and you know, potentially bring in Mahrez and Foden off the bench and getting a little bit more cut and thrust. I think the way we've set this game up, it didn't need any more setting up, but I'm honestly, I'm ready for it already. I think a couple of key battles, from my opinion, very quickly as well, is I think that's key. Rudiger, Militao, do they play in the centre after Rudiger's performance? 
Does he switch Valverde to Rodrigo's position, will be, which will be seen as pragmatic, but Valverde as a right-sided winger and then Camavinga coming into Valverde's position? Intriguing. Does Mares or Foden start for, for, for Man City? I think the back four, the rest of the team picks itself. Yeah. Wow. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm There's been rumours, by the way, that Madrid are going to play a 4-4-2 diamond. Like a 4-4-2. That's, that's been the leagues from Spain. I don't know if it's like a bluff or something. Mm. He thinks it's uh, Chelsea... Chelsea yeah, yeah look, look, don't believe, don't believe Mind all games. those leaks. There's, yeah, there's no such thing. I don't know, man. Madrid, Madrid leaked their lineup like three days. Yeah, really they, they don't care. I, don't, I don't understand. Oh, I don't know, I'm man. Not that, that's that's so, mind I've games got, starting. I've got Go a quick question for Sam, just a hypothetical. For me, I'm not going to lie. If I was Real Madrid, I wouldn't want to see Haaland and Alvarez play together. Like, as a two up top, I don't know if there's a way to fit KDB in there as well. You'd have to find a way. But Haaland and Alvarez together, I feel like that could open so much space to go long, to be more direct, and then to give Haaland, you know, a bit more freedom, especially up front. I don't know what you think about that, but I just think about that now. Yeah, I think I think if we if we go if we go behind at any point, then we'll definitely see that because mm. uh, Alvarez just sort of creates a a bit of chaos really uh, up front, which sometimes when we're losing, Pep likes to to bring that basically, and you know the game opens up naturally and. We back ourselves, I think, in those situations to to outscore in that situation with Haaland and De Bruyne and Alvarez all on the pitch at the same time. But I think as long as it's level or we're winning the tie, I think it's unlikely they'll play Alvarez and Haaland together just because it's just a little more unstable uh, than two on the pitch. And Pep doesn't Pep doesn't really really like that. So yeah, basically, if we're losing, Alvarez will come on, and if we're not. He'll stay yeah. on the bench. <laughs> He's a control freak. He's a control freak. Uh, and he's one going to control the game. Uh, guys, by the way, the poll, City 41%, Madrid 45%. And Mo, you've got a lot of friends and family getting in the votes. 15% think Inter that's might win the Champions League. Not bad. League. Yeah, not that's bad. definitely your friends and family. Definitely, definitely. Uh, but listen, guys, this has been your That's like my 10 accounts. My 10 accounts. I know, I know. Yeah, they all <laughs> voted. They all voted. Uh, guys, thank you very much, Bilal, Michael, to Michael, Sam, and Mo. It's been a fantastic show. I'm ready for the Champions League. Hope everyone else is. Yeah, let's, next week, we're going to be sat here talking about the Champions League final. Will it be City? Will it be Madrid? It will definitely be Inter. Take care. Eurostars, we out of here. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.